0: From Pastor Daryl, so it's going to be good. Let's get into the word tonight. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to minister a, a word that I believe will encourage us. Amen. It's always good to hear an encouraging word, right? You hear enough discouraging words. Why don't we hear some encouraging words? And um, tonight I want to talk about being chosen. Being chosen. How many of you like to be chosen for stuff? Be picked. And I, I got to admit, you know, I, I know I'm a real big guy now. I, I know that, you know, I stand out from the pack. But when I was a kid, I was the smallest one in the bunch. I know you can't believe that. I know this what? No way. Uh, but I was I was a small one. And um, I usually got picked last until people got to know me. I know everyone's like, oh, Pastor Moore. I picked last. Yeah, I would get picked last sometimes because they didn't think I was fast. They didn't think I could catch. They didn't think I could hit. They didn't think I could run, you know, the whole shebang. And so you get picked last And, and being picked last is like not even being picked. It's like you got stuck with this person, right? You didn't get picked. Oh, I picked him. Well, there's nobody else to choose from. There's nobody else to pick from. So being picked when there's no other option, when, there, when there's nothing else to choose from, to select from, that's not really picking. That's not really choosing. That's just, all right, I guess you're on my team. I mean, since you're going to play, I guess you're going to be stuck on my team. And, but I, I, I quickly began uh, to prove myself. And once I proved myself, then people would pick me. But then they were only picking me based upon what I could do or what they knew I was capable of, what they had seen me do previously. But God does better on both accounts. God doesn't just pick you because he's stuck with you, and God doesn't just pick you because you've done awesome stuff in the past. God picks you based upon what you're going to do, not what you have done. And so I want to look at something here today. Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to look at this today of being chosen. This this fact. This fundamental truth that we have been chosen. We've been picked. We've been assigned by God. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says this, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing In the heavenly places. Just as he. Let's all say it together. Chose. Just as he chose us. In him. But look at the next word. Before. Not after. Not during. Not while. Before the foundation. Of the world. That we should be. Holy. And without blame before him in love having predestined having predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure the good pleasure he wasn't just stuck with you he didn't have to have you but he chose you and it was according to his will according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace By which he made us accepted in the beloved. We're talking about being chosen. Here's what this word chosen means. This word chosen, just in the English dictionary, it means this. Selected from several. Selected from several. That means there were options. It means preferred. To be chosen means you were preferred. You were the preferred option. You know, like when you go to a restaurant... And you pick out something you want. This is what I would prefer to eat. And then they come back to your table and they say, oh, sorry, we're, we're, we're out of that or, or or we can't make that tonight or whatever the excuse is. And then you have to do what? You have to have a plan B. You have to have a backup option. Well, that's not your preferred option. You picked it, but it wasn't your first choice. It wasn't the first selection. It wasn't preferred. It was, well, since this isn't available, I guess I have to go With this, it means this, it means to want or desire to want or desire chosen means to be selected from several. It means preferred. It means to want or desire. Now, see, it's one thing to choose based upon a certain criteria. It's one thing to choose based upon what something's proven to you. I enjoyed that last time, so I want to get it again. It's it's. It's one thing to be picked and know that, hey, you're really fast or you're this or you're that. I mean, you think about the excitement, uh, you know, in sports, especially in in football, you know, the number one drafting. Everyone wants to be the number one drafting. Who's going to go in the first round? Who's going to be the first option for a team? But they're still being picked based upon what they've done. Nobody's picking in the first round thinking, well, I hope he can do this or I think he could do this. Or I'm going to get him here. And even though he hasn't proved a lick yet, he, or we're going to train him to do this. But God does the complete opposite. God picks you not based upon what you have done, but he picks you based upon what you're going to. God chose us with an outcome in mind, not based upon what we have previously produced. See, God picks you based upon what he wants you to do, not what you have done. We're talking about being chosen and we got to break this chosen thing open. We got to really look at what it means to be chosen, picked, handpicked by God with the purpose and with the destiny. Regardless, see, God picked you to be holy. That verse says in Ephesians picked you to be holy. He picked you to be holy before you ever got in the mess. He picked you to be holy before the foundations of the world. Before the mess was even created, he had already chosen you to be holy. That verse tells us that he had chosen us to be adopted sons. Now that's interesting. Because it's one thing to be born in a family. But it's another thing to be adopted into a family. That means that somebody went out and picked you and said, we want you to be a part of our family. And he picked you, chose you, To be an adopted son and daughter in the kingdom, in his family, before we were ever apart from the family. Here's what he said. He said, you're in the family, and you'll fall away, but I'm going to go back and pick you again. (laughs) Come on, man. I mean... I mean, you're in the family, you fail, you mess up, you blow it, we're all born into sin, everyone has sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and then God says, but if I could do it all over again, I'd pick you again. I mean, come on, if that doesn't get you excited, if that doesn't pump you up, I mean, no, don't go running around the room or nothing yet. We got more that's coming. Sit back down. God chose us with an outcome in mind. He saw what you were going to do after he picked you, not what you had already done before he chose you. This is a different concept for some of us. See, when you go to a job, you have to go through a what? Interview process. You have to turn in a resume. Why? I have to prove to you that I'm worth choosing. I have to prove to you I'm worth picking. I have to prove to you that I'm worth handling the assignment that you feel that I should Take on that you should be able to give me. There's no interview process with God. It's you're chosen. Now let's get in. Let's do something. Look at Romans chapter eight. This is another popular verse that we like. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight in verse 28. Romans chapter eight. Verse 28, God chose us with an outcome in mind, an outcome in mind. He already knew what he wanted you to do before you proved to him what you can do. Romans chapter 8, verse 20, and we know. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, called. Those who are called according to his purpose. You're called. The calling. The calling. The the, the Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That means he doesn't go back on his calling. Okay, so he doesn't pick you based upon what you have done. He picks you based upon what he wants you to do, and then when you don't quite live up to that, he still says, you're on my team, and I'm not taking it back. God never unpicks you. <laughs> there are no trades on God's team. <laughs> There's no trades. Chuck and I have been talking lately. This is our time. You know, you know baseball never quits, and so... We've been talking lately about how just, you know, with all these free agencies and all these trades going on, I mean, he said it tonight, he said, why don't we just throw them all in a bucket and then just shake it up real good and see what comes out and see where everybody lands. That's basically what has happened. And, and, And there's all these trades taking place and people just leaving one team, becoming disloyal to a team that they've been with their entire lives and going right across the country to another team. There's no trades. God isn't looking to get rid of you because you haven't lived up to expectations. He didn't give you a big contract and say, okay, you're not quite fulfilling that, so we're going to ship you off because we need to get some other guys in here. No, there's no trades. He's not giving up. He hasn't unpicked you. He's not changing his mind. It goes without repentance. For his purpose, it says. You're called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew... He also predestined. There's that word again. For whom he foreknew. He also predestined. That means he knew everything about your life. And still destined a great purpose for you. To be conformed to the image. Of his son. To be conformed. To the image. Of his son. See, you are called. According to his purpose and to do his purpose requires you to look like Jesus. And he says, I foreknew you. I've known everything about you, but I have still predestined your life that you will look like my son. My son will live in you and you will be in him. Just like Jesus said in John chapter 15. You abide in me and I in you. This is God speaking. This is what he's saying that he knew us. And then still predestined us to conform to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So he would be the firstborn. And then all of us are the ones that come after looking just like him. You got to grab a hold of this. Look at verse 30. Moreover, if that's not good enough. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called and whom he called these also he justified he made you right so that you could live up to the calling that he predestined you for he didn't leave you alone he didn't leave you by yourself he didn't leave you stuck he said i know that what i'm calling to you uh, calling for you to do is much greater than who you already are so guess what i'm going to put the greater one inside of you and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and now because i'm justified These he also glorified. That word glorified means to be given a heavenly existence in in this earth now. That means all of heaven's ability comes upon you when you're justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Why? So we could live up to the calling that he predestined us for, to be conformed to the image. Of his son, because the first thing we think of is disqualifications. I don't deserve this. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not conformed to the image of his son. I, I have shortcomings. I have failures. I have a past. I have a history. You, you want me on your team to do this, but I, I haven't proven to you that I can do that. I haven't proven to myself I can do that. Many of life's victories. Would be easier won if we could see ourselves the way God sees us. Many of life's victories would be easier won if we could see ourselves like God sees us. You would be amazed at the things you would walk into. If you could just see yourself the way that God already sees you. If we could get God's image, God's perception of what we look like, of what he's created us to do, of who he's created us to be, of what he's empowered us to do. You would find that a lot of the victories that you're fighting for and and pushing for, they would be easier, more easily achieved in our lives if we could just get God's picture of ourselves. There are so many things that we limit ourselves on because we're the ones that remember the history. We're the ones that remember the past. And God is a future God. He is looking at what you're going to do, not what you have done. He's predestined us. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Look at this. Trials in life are not a deterrent for God's purpose. Trials in life are not a deterrent for God's purpose. There's nothing you can come against. There's nothing you can go through. There's nothing that can disqualify you out of, outside of God's purpose. He has handpicked you, and he says, I want to walk this through if you'll just let me. Now, yes, there's disqualifications, absolutely, but it's not on God's side. It's not God saying, okay, you can't do it. It's us saying, I can't do it. We disqualify ourselves way before God ever pulls the plug. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. He told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, what's grace? Grace is that empowerment to do. Grace is the empowerment to do. Grace is that help coming alongside to help accomplish and finish and do what God has called us to do. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I'm made strong. When you're weak, I'm strong. I'll work through your weakness. The things you can't accomplish, the things you don't know, the things that you haven't achieved – I work in the midst of those things, he says, because I called you. I predestined. I foreknew you, and I have given you an assignment. I've given you a purpose. That word purpose means this. It means before. simply what it means. You don't give something purpose after. It's being chosen with intent. See, you don't want to just be picked, and then you sit on the bench all the time. Well, we don't know what to do with them. We're not quite there yet. Yes, there's some training. Yes, there's some pruning. Yes, there's some growing. But God did not pick you to sit. God did not pick you to sit. God picked you to be a blessing. God picked you on his team. God wants to work alongside you and work in you and work with you. There's a work involved. There's a service involved. He doesn't pick us to sit. God has picked us, placed us on his team intentionally. Not on accident, with purpose. Before, before he picked you, he already knew what you were going to do. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter two. Are you being encouraged tonight? Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter two. He's picked you guys. He's chosen you. He has selected you from the options. That means he wants you to do it. He has a desire to work and move through you. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are a, let's all say it together, chosen, chosen, chosen generation, selected, picked, preferred. You are the preferred generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called you out. He's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen generation. Selected from among other options, other alternatives. You have been chosen. You have been picked. You were the preferred choice. Now this word chosen translated out of the Greek means this. One picked from a group. It sounds similar to the English dictionary. One picked from a group. But I like this extra. One picked from a group for a special purpose or privilege. One picked from a group for a special purpose or privilege don't you like being picked to do special things you like being picked by your boss to do a certain assignment a particular assignment you like being picked on the team to be the one that's gonna you know win it all you know a lot of us guys you know at some point have probably had it, whatever sport it is, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever, at some point in our lives, we probably had the imagery of being the one that hits the game-winning home run or shoots the game-winning basket or scores the game-winning t- You want to be the one that's picked, that the coach says, all right, the ball is coming to you. I'm relying on you. I believe you can do that. I believe you can do this. I believe you can win this. I believe you can accomplish this. We're not just picked. We're picked for A special assignment, a special purpose, a special privilege. Chosen generation. Chosen generation. This word called. This word called means an invitation or summons with a purpose. An invitation or summons. With the purpose you've been called upon. You've been called upon in the heat of the moment. You've been called upon guys in the heat of the moment that we're living in, in the darkness of this world that we're living in right now. You are the ones that he has chosen to spread the gospel, to spread the good news, to shine his light, to advance his kingdom, to make him known. You are the ones he has chosen. You're the ones he's relying on. He has put all the weight upon his church. And he said, you are my special, chosen, preferred generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, my own special people. For a purpose. Not picked to go to heaven. Picked with an assignment to accomplish something in the earth today. Now we see a picture of this in Matthew chapter 10. We see a picture of this. Matthew chapter 10. This is a picture of what God is doing with his church. Full circle. On a bigger spectrum. This is a small example. A small image of what God is doing globally with his church. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is calling his disciples. He's calling them. You realize the call gives you purpose. The call gives you purpose. What he's called you defines your purpose. What he's called you to do defines your responsibility. Because the purpose is in the identity. Whatever you call it. See, when Adam was naming all those animals, he was assigning their purpose. He was calling them something and then attached with what he called them was the assignment or the purpose that they would accomplish. What you call something is very important. And so Jesus here is calling his disciples. And in verse one, it says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. God never calls without equipping. He calls them and then he gives them. He calls them, his disciples, and then he gives them power to accomplish that which he called them for. I'm calling you to be my follower. I'm calling you to be my servant. I'm calling you to follow after me. I'm calling you to be my pupil, my student. I'm calling you to be the one that's going to come after me and accomplish what I've been doing in the earth for three years. I'm calling you. And so what does he do? He gives them. He repeats this over in Acts when he says, go to Jerusalem and wait. What? For the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Why? Because when I call you to do something, I equip you to do it. You don't. It, it, it's just it's almost like you would rather not be called when someone calls you to do an assignment, but they don't equip you to do it. They don't give you any training. They don't give you the resources. They don't put the people around you. They don't they don't they, they, they don't put anything within you to fulfill and accomplish that which you're asking of you. But when God calls us. He equips us to do it. He gives them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now skip on down to verse 5. He gives some more instruction. He names the disciples there in the next few verses. And in verse 5, these 12, uh, these 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them. See, God is calling us with an assignment attached. There's an assignment attached to the calling. There's an assignment attached to the calling. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter a city of the Samaritans. He's telling them where to not go. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's telling them where to go. See, God gives you direction. God gives you direction. When he calls you, he directs you. See, if he's the one that called you, then you're subject to his calling. You're subject to where he wants to lead you and guide you. You're called according to Romans chapter 8 verse 30, his purpose, his purpose, not our purpose. So we don't get equipped by God and called by God and then go out and do what we want to do. Well, God, I feel you're calling me here, and I feel you're doing this, and I feel I need to be here, and I feel I need to be doing this. No. We stop, and we say, no, God, where do you want to send me? Because he'll tell you where to not go, and he'll also tell you where to go. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was a specific word. They didn't get to go out and preach whatever they wanted to preach. Peter didn't get to rise up and say, well, I really want to preach on tithing. I really, really think I got a good word. God's been showing me some stuff on tithing. I really think I got a good message. (laughs) No. John didn't come in and say, you know, I just, I got a good message on love. You know, I'm, I'm the love disciple. I'm the one whom he loved. That's So I got some words on. No, no. Jesus said, you're going to go and you're going to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He gave them what to say, what to minister, what to preach. He says, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Watch this. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. That which we have obtained. We have to maintain. That which we've obtained. We have to maintain. That which has been given to us. Has been given to us with a purpose. In in mind. We give back based upon what we have been given. Freely you have received. Really give. So God gives direction. God gives the assignment. God tells you what to say. Skip on down to verse 19. Now this is the part sometimes that we forget. This is the part that sometimes we leave out. But when they deliver you up. What's that? When trials start showing up. You're in the midst of the assignment, in the midst of the calling that God has laid on your life. He has chosen you. He's picked you. You've taken the call, but now stuff starts coming against you because we think that because we're doing God's will, nothing's going to harm us, nothing's going to bother us. It's just going to be a cakewalk. No, no, things will come against you. Things will show up. But he says, but when they deliver you up, And he says, when they, not if they, when they, do not worry about how or what you should speak for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now, when you think about being called, and you look at the people, the disciples that Jesus called, he picked a messed up bunch. He didn't pick doctors and lawyers and people that had it all together and people that had been, you know, loved God all their life. Uh, You know, he picked some crazy people. Picked a messed up group. I mean, Peter, he took the cake, man. This guy wanted to chop people's ears off. He wanted to jump out of boats. He wanted to get in Jesus' face and say, you're not going to the cross. You're crazy. You're a liar. I'm not going to let it happen. He thought he was going to get this army together that was going to keep anything from happening to Jesus when Jesus Jesus repeatedly said, this must happen. This must take place to fulfill prophecy. But Peter didn't get it. And it just gets worse from there. All 12 of these guys, I mean, you got brothers fighting and and arguing about who's going to be able to sit next to Jesus in heaven and and just silly stuff. Because God picks based upon a future. But you can imagine this group. This group that runs and hides when Jesus is arrested. This group that uh, is hiding out. and and Jesus has to come find them after he's resurrected because they're hiding out in this house and they're afraid. This group is going to be the one to usher in the church. This group is the one that's going to change 3,000 people's lives in one day. This group is the one that's going to get arrested and boldly tell those that are arresting them, it doesn't matter what you say, we have to preach in the name of Jesus. I mean, this is the group. Why? Because... The one who called them equips them. I love the fact that the disciples, who were they, were. Because naturally and by themselves, they would not have accomplished the book of Acts. But because Jesus called people, Jesus called and equipped people that couldn't do it on their own, and He assigns them a purpose. And that equips them with everything they need to fulfill it. And then he says this. And then when things do start going south. And things start happening that aren't quite going your way. Don't worry. Don't even try to think about what you're going to say. Because in the moment the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. And that's where we have Acts chapter 4. That's where we have Acts chapter 4 show up. And Peter and John are. Walking in John chapter, uh, Acts chapter 3, they're walking to go pray. There's a lame man there. And again, you do a miracle, you think everybody would be you know, awesome and, and, and enjoy that and be, oh, man, what an awesome thing you did. No, it riled up the whole community. People are funny. People are funny. I mean, you think a sign and a wonder like this, you're delivering somebody, and they want to call you a demon. They want to say that you're operating uh, you know, uh, you know, for the devil, and, and you're ruining their business when you cast a demon out of a fortune-telling girl and just you know, all this silly stuff that takes place in the book of Acts. But when the disciples got in front of those men, the disciples that were cowards before, the disciples that denied Jesus three times, the disciples that couldn't think of a word to say, the disciples that didn't want to be in that presence, all of a sudden they rise up and they say, it doesn't matter what you do to us, but we will preach in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we've been called and we've been assigned and we've been equipped and we're going to keep doing what he's told us to do. That's, a, that, that's what knowing that you're chosen will do for you. There'll be a boldness that rises up. When the coach has picked you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what your team may say. It doesn't matter what the other team says. It doesn't matter what the fans say. You can stand up and say, the coach picked me, and he's been training me, and he's de- been developed me for just this moment, and so I'm going to shine. He has picked me. He's preferred me among a list of others. He had alternatives. He had other options, and he picked me. That's God. That's God. Look at Zechariah. Yeah, that's in the Old Testament. Zechariah. <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 4 Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 it says so he answered and said to me this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power But by my spirit, says the Lord, what you've been chosen to do, what you've been chosen to accomplish is not possible on your own, in your own power, in your own might, by your own hand. What he has called you to do is only possible by his spirit. He called you. He assigned you, he equipped you, and now he works through you. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. So guys, this is a year. This is a year. See, when we know that he's called us, when we know that he's equipped us, there's a rest in that. There's a rest where you could just fall back and say, God, you've got this. You caught me for this. You've got to find a way. You've got to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to continue on in my purpose. The, the, The things work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And when you know that you're chosen, when you know that you've been picked, when you know that you were the preferred one, when you know that you were chosen above all else, Then you can rest in the fact that He's working through me. That which He's called me to do, He's able to work in me to perform. He's able to work in me to complete. He's able to work in me to finish. Guys, tonight I want you to become assured in the fact, know that He's called you, know that He's assigned you, know that He's equipped you, and know that He works in you. Amen. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this time together in your word, together in your presence. And Father, I thank you that we allow this word to sink in. We allow this word to take root. We allow this word. We meditate on it. We study it. We grow in it. We we reread we it. We're going over it. Father, I thank you that we will see your power work through us your equipping work through us you've called us father you've called us to such a high honor you've called us to such a high task to such a a, a, an honorable assignment that you've placed on our lives and father we're so thankful that you've equipped us you've empowered us Father, we allow that empowerment to work through us. We allow your power to move through us. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it is by your spirit. Father, we want to stay in your word. We want to stay in your calling. We want to stay in your assignment. That's where your grace is. That's where the power is. It's not when we get out on our own. It's not when we try to do something outside of you. But when we follow after you, that is when we see the power operate in our lives. Father, we thank you for this. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.